0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and right alongside every week, of course, is none other than Legends Tour player and LBJ professional, Cindy Miller, and of course, we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show, and welcome this Tuesday morning, uh, December 6, 2016, and welcome, Cindy, uh, as well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Ted.
1: Um Getting ready glad for to be here, uh, we <laughs> and it's coming fast, let me tell you, believe me, it's coming fast. Um, let me just a quick couple announcements, Cindy, and then we'll get right into the show. We've got lots of uh, uh, good stuff happening this morning, so we want to make sure that uh, we get right to it. But um, obviously, we're live every Tuesday mornings unless otherwise stated. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com and type in women of golf. And that will take you to our page, which will have the the featured show, which is airing uh, Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you can't reach us during the live broadcast, just go to that link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash womenofgolf, and just scroll down to the on-demand section. And all of our programs, of course, are auto-recorded, so you can listen to the recorded version uh, when it's convenient for you. But for those of you joining us live this morning, thank you as always, and we appreciate your support. Uh, Also, you can go to itunes.com. Under the podcast section, just type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the page there uh, through iTunes. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. As we mentioned last week, again, we'd love to get some feedback uh, on the show. Uh, You're certainly welcome to call into the program by calling area code 347-945-5855, or you can reach out to Cindy uh, or myself, and our emails are cindymillergolf.com, and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, if you're somebody in the golf industry, whether you're a player uh, a teacher professional, or coach, uh, or or some other area, uh, maybe an entrepreneur in the golf industry. Please reach out to us, and uh, we'll we'll do what we can to to get you on the show here uh, in the new year. We've only got one more show after this, which is next week, and then we're going to be closing off uh, for the rest of the the 2016 season, and then we'll be picking up probably about the middle. I uh, I think uh, Cindy of January, give us a good long break and and get recouped for 2017 and then we'll be right back in it So, uh, but we're glad again that you joined us this morning and uh, Cindy we've got a great show this morning, we're going to talk about uh, our discussion this week is going to be the five mental keys to make your next round one of your best and then uh, a little bit later on uh, in the second half of the broadcast we're going to be featuring Michael Napoleon and Kyle Shea, they're the uh, president and uh, CEO, uh, both founders of the company, uh, Super Speed Golf they're going to be joining us here Uh, in about a half an hour's time. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, But, Cindy, before we start into our discussion, I want to give you an opportunity, because you've got a great offer, especially since you mentioned Christmas. Christmas, uh, You've got a great program that you've put together, a great product. Uh, Why don't you tell the folks about it?
0: Yes, I developed um, a product called the Learn to Hit It Kit, and it really is going to help teach you how to hit the ball clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Anywhere, So it comes with a, a small portable golf mat that's very sturdy and will not fly around, and nine foam golf balls, and Golf 101 book by me, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway Golf Club. So if you don't have any clubs, you can order one 7-iron just to teach yourself how to play, and my online course, the Learn to Hit It course, and it's all for ninety nine ninety nine. So if you're interested, go to CindyMillerGolf.com and click on Learn to Hit It Kit.
1: Right, and and Cindy, I know, um, and as you know that I know this because I, I uh, made a comment on uh, on Facebook here recently, but Cindy uh, featured this pro, um, product on. Uh, the golf channel academy uh fairly recently so you can go and check out that and i guess they just go to what golfacademy.com or uh where do they go to, to see channel, uh, that video
0: g- yeah well i would go to golfchannel.com and then type in Cindy Miller learn to hit a kit and it okay, shows and be you able what, to get what the, yeah what includes in what's included in the kit and um th- the biggest deal is the online course for those who right. don't know what they're doing and they don't they can't get to the range, whether they're too busy after work, they don't want to hire a babysitter, or they're snowbound. You know, you can sit there and hit balls and practice in your own house, in the living room, you know, the basement, the garage, the backyard, the front porch, wherever, even your hotel room.
1: Right. Uh, and, and that's fantastic. And I think, Cindy, you should also call this the no longer excuse uh, kit, how to hit it kit as well, because, every, <laughs> you know, it's true. I mean, everybody – you know, you know I'm right on that one. Everybody's, well, it's, you know, it's snowy out. I can't make it to the rain. Uh, you know, even if it's an indoor rain, I just don't want to drive through the traffic. So now there's no longer an excuse. If, uh, if, if you've got the will and the determination to become a better golfer, uh, you certainly want to uh, take uh, advantage of this. And this makes, as I mentioned earlier uh, in, in the previous uh, shows, I mentioned this makes a great uh, gift for that golfer in your family that's maybe been struggling over the last little while and you want to help them along uh, Cindy's got a great product here. So go to CindyMillerGolf.com to learn more about the learn to hit it kit that she's got available for this year. And, uh, I know it's going to be very successful. Um, all right, Cindy, we, we got, um, I want to talk about, uh, just some of the, uh, mental keys to, to helping, uh, make your next round the best one. Obviously, you know, we're winding down the season for some, especially up in the Northeast, but, uh, for those that can play all year round down here in the South or out in the Southwest, um, you know, there's no excuse and uh, this is a, some things that you can do even inside. So the first one I want to talk about is, is being prepared, I guess, more physically by eating better and, and certainly drinking better, um, drinking lots of water and things like that. And, and it's important because if you're not fueling the body correctly, then it's not going to function at its, at its peak performance. And, and I'm sure you can attest to that. There's probably t- rounds that you've played out there that maybe you weren't feeling your best physically. And maybe you can explain how important it is to nutritionally, to keep our body fueled properly to, to last those 18 holes.
0: You know, it really is. And I don't think you're very aware of the fact that you do need to do that until it's too late. So just take a bunch of little snacks that are real healthy with you. And that'll help a lot. And as, and I know that, you know, your notes said to try not to eat too much before you go out Don't stop at the halfway house and get a big fat hot dog because the sugar's hot, (laughs) sugar high and lows will kill you. And one of the biggest ones for me is drink water instead of coffee. I'm a coffee fanatic. And so not a great idea.
1: No. Um, You know, and and that's a great point. You know, Cindy, I I think... And there's nothing wrong with having coffee, maybe if you want to have a coffee after, round, especially if you're playing an early morning round, um, you know, if you want to have a, a coffee in the clubhouse later or when you get back home. But the worst thing, especially if you're uh, a, a caffeinated uh, coffee drinker, the worst thing that you want to do is have a couple of co- cups of, of caffeinated coffee right before you go out to the first tee because you want to talk about first tee jitters. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to certainly get them. And you know what? When I was, when I was younger and, and, and a little more stupid – you know, I would do that. You know, we'd go and have a nice big breakfast, my group, and you know, slug back two or three cups of coffee. And two things happen. You know, my my nerves would be jittery, and uh, and I, I sometimes, and I'm not going to get technical, uh, had a difficult time making it to the first turn before I had to bolt for the. But, but anyways, we won't we won't go down that road because we're trying to have a a good family friendly show here. So, but you know what I'm talking about. It's not. It's not the best way to fuel your body. And, and I think if you want to play, all kidding aside, if you want to play your best golf, you've got to fuel your body uh, correctly. And there's you know, we're not here to tell you what food you have to eat or, or things like that. But if you're going to eat things that are heavily, heavy in carbs, uh, or high amounts of sugars, or, or that type of thing, or even heavy in starch, Um, you know, it's not going to fuel your body properly. And you raised a great point, Cindy, is, you know, maybe take some good healthy snacks that you can keep, uh, you know, in your golf bag or or on the, if you're in a a golf cart, you know, a lot of them will, you have the room for a little cooler that you can put in there with some ice so you can keep it uh, fresh, especially if you're playing in in here in the South Uh, and don't go and have that big chili dog, you know, when you hit the turn, because again, you're going to become very lethargic. Right. I mean, and, you know, we've all done it, right, Cindy? I mean, we've all made that, that kind of silly mistake in eating something that we know is not going to fuel our bodies. Um, but with all the, the information that's out there now, there's no longer an excuse. Was there ever a time, Cindy, that, that you got out there on tour that you just maybe hadn't uh, gotten yourself in, in the right, uh, right situation from the get-go and, and, and you realized after, I shouldn't have maybe had that coffee or I shouldn't have had, uh, you know, that to eat? Because I know it's now it's, it's sure. catching up with me. Yeah, sure. And all kinds of times. Right. Exactly. So and and obviously we we develop that uh, as we get older, we realize we get a little smarter and we get more health conscious. But um, so that was that's the number one thing, I think, is just to eat and drink uh, and be prepared uh, physically with nutrition. And I'm going to throw in there as well, Cindy, um, uh, from as far as physically fit, uh, keeping yourself in shape. And that doesn't mean you have to go and hit the gym and, and you know, be powerlifting or anything like that, but, you know, some good brisk walks, maybe some cardio, maybe some light, late work, uh, uh, weight work, excuse me. And also there's a lot of great certified uh, um, uh, professionals out there that specify in the physical parts of the game uh, that are out there and everything from yoga and you name it, it's out there. And Cindy, I know you know some of the people, uh, Catherine Roberts, and many others that are out there that, uh, have yoga for golfers, some great ways to get some stretches and things like that. Talk just a little bit about that, how important it is physically to keep yourself in shape, too.
0: Well, and that it is totally important. And Karen Palacios Jansen has fit for golf. Yep. And if nothing else, it's just to be limber and more flexible and being able to move. Um, you know, needless to say, the older you get. And, so, you know, there's some young people that aren't very flexible either. But, uh, you know, you got to be able to move. So even if you walk, oh. and, and I was watching the girls at the CME Globe uh, yeah. Championship, LPGA Tour Championship, and, and just the way they, they've got this new exercise they're all doing with their, with their wrists and their hands and swinging a club. They look like majorettes twirling batons, but they're all just trying to loosen up. And the stretches right. they do and these girls are only 20 so yeah yeah it's really important that you stay flexible
1: you know it's interesting that you say that because I, I I watched of course uh this past weekend it was of course his tournament but Tiger was back um at the uh, I believe it was the hero challenge uh down in the Bahamas and of course there was lots of talk about uh you know him coming back into golf and the you know issues he's had with his back and of uh, of course, some of the comments that were made that, you know, it looked like he had lost some weight, uh, certainly in, in good physical shape, but lost some weight. So he'd scaled down a little bit. Um, and, and I listened to him talk a little bit uh, throughout the broadcast this weekend. And, you know, he talked about really, um, you know, keeping himself in shape and, and, and keeping himself loose and limber. Uh, and obviously he's had to make some adjustments to his game in, in order to uh, alleviate some of that stress that he's had over the years on his back. But you know, he's still able to go out there. And I mean, you know, he shot a phenomenal score. I mean, he shot a 65, I think it was on the Saturday, uh, either Friday or Saturday. I can't remember now which day it was, but I mean, that's phenomenal for somebody that hasn't played uh, in what uh, six, 16 or so months that hasn't played competitive golf. Um, that right. just really, really proves the point that you've got to, you know, keep yourself in shape. And uh, you know, he's, he's turning, uh, I think the end of this month, 41. So he's starting to, you know, inch his way up there as well. And, uh, you know, so, so kudos to Tiger for, for, uh, for doing that. Um, let's talk about number two uh, on the list. Uh, and, and I know we've touched on some of these before, Cindy, but I think they're, they're important, and especially as we work into the offseason, um, people are, are focusing too hard for a score. And I think you need to, to focus on each individual shot uh, and not get caught up in the round and, and, okay, well, I've got to shoot to par and I've got to shoot this. How do you stay focused and focus on the shot, Cindy, and not let your your mind drift off uh, and and, and sort of encapsulate the whole round? What do you do to stay focused in the moment?
0: (laughs) Well, I hate to tell you, but it's the experience of not staying focused in the moment that teaches you to stay focused in the moment. So, (laughs) you know, the minute you go uh, forward or behind and you're ticked off about the shot you just hit, your muscles lock up and you're mad and you don't make a good swing and then you miss the next one. And then it's a meltdown. And so I've learned that as much as you, you know, I say the five second, you got five seconds to get ticked off and throw a temper tantrum and then you got to get over it. And then right. going forward, you know, you haven't even hit this shot. So what are you worried about what you're going to shoot? And, and, you know, I know that our listeners have all done that and said, oh, well, if I bogey, 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 I'm going to break 90 for the first time. And then you go double, double, double. And so you can't think ahead or you can't go behind. You've got to stay focused on the task at hand. And if you focus on each shot one at a time and you know what you're doing and you're confident, you will be more consistent and you will shoot the best score of your life. No one goes out and tries to shoot 65. They may say you know, I think I need to shoot at least seven under tomorrow to have a chance to win. But no right. one can shoot a score by saying I want to shoot a score, or we would all be doing it. Trust me.
1: Right. And and, and just let me raise a, a couple of points uh, as well. Just you know, based on some of the notes here, um, you know, you cannot. Uh, you know, all you can do is try your best uh, at, at the particular shot on hand, and you can't focus on. Uh, what's happened in the past? What's preceded the earlier shots? You can't dwell on that. Uh, I guess is a better way to put it, and you can't always look forward to what the score might be, uh, what the future holds. You can only be in the moment. And I think if you um, ultimately, what you want is you want to piece a lot of good moments together, and ultimately that's going to help you score better and, and make you an overall better player. But I think if you, what happens with a lot of players uh, are uh, the two things I just pointed out. Number one, especially for our uh, high handicap amateurs if they're maybe, you know, on hole six, seven, that type of thing, and they've had a couple of bad holes strung together, they start looking back and saying, gosh, you know, you know, here I'm coming up to another par five. Well, the earlier par five, I, I shot a, a double bogey and, and uh, did these mistakes, and already th- they've set themselves up for failure. Or they start looking ahead and saying, okay, I, you know, I've got to make sure I'm at, uh, you know, get to 40, you know, come that front nine if I want to have any hopes of, of breaking 80 on the back nine. So th- they start... You know, looking at the the whole picture of golf instead of saying, let me just focus on this shot. What shot do I have before me? What do I need to do to execute the shot that I've got at hand? And then when I get to the next shot, do the same thing again and let those good shots strung together dictate whether or not the score is good and not focus on on all the things at hand. And, and I guess that that's what a lot of amateurs do is they try too hard and focus too hard on the score and not enough on what the job or task at hand is. And would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Number three, uh, having a meticulous routine for every shot kind of goes hand in hand with that. Uh, Certainly your pre-shot routine on any, uh, you know, any shot coming up. Cindy, touch a little bit about that, how important it is to have a pre-shot and maybe even a post-shot routine as well.
0: Well, your brain needs to know what you want it to do. And if you're not, if you don't have a routine, then anything will work. Therefore, you cannot be consistent. I think the number one thing most people want in the game of golf is to be more consistent. And the definition of consistent could be boring. So if that's the case, you need to let your brain know what the plan is. So now's the perfect time in the off-season, at least it's the off-season in Buffalo, um, to work on your game, to realize, you know, what am I going to do as a pre-shot routine? How am I going to plan and prepare my shots so that my body and my brain know what to do and what I expect of it? And if you don't have that, then you have no right to get mad. And and that goes back to the learn to hit a kit. You have no right to whine or complain because I've got news right. for you. If you can hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose, you can play anywhere. And most sure. people can't do that. So, um, you know, you need to, it's very, 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 very important. You need to know what your plan is and what you're doing and what you're working on. So that would go back to, you know, why are you here? What are you looking for? Well, I want to be more consistent. Okay. So what do you typically do? How do you mess up? What happens? Oh, every time I get on the fairway, I blah, 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 blah. Well, you might be happy. You know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, I'm going to screw this up. And guess what? You do. So, you have to be willing to look in the mirror to see what really is causing the errors, and you can definitely get over them if you choose to. It's just how bad right. does it have to hurt before you're willing to change.
1: <clears throat> right. And, and you know, you also have to understand, too, uh, especially for those of you that, that are maybe working with uh, or, or needing to work with a, an instructor or coach, you need to understand um, what the real things that you need to focus on. And I'll give you a good example. I had a gentleman this past Sunday, we went out early Sunday morning. um, And, you know, for, for the last little while, he's, he said to me, you know, I'm, I'm really not hitting my driver very well. And, you know, I want to get more distance and, you know, which is typical for, for guys, they want to get more distance. So I said, okay. And we, we sort of took a look at things. And what I discovered was, um, you know, he's got a very good setup and, and so forth, but what he, his swing is actually, what I would say, disjointed or, or out of sequence. In other words, he's picking the club up, and when he does hit the ball well, he's pulling it left, but it's straight left. So he's obviously got a, a good um, you know, square club face, but his path is not good, and he's just not, his swing is not in proper sequence. He's leading the swing with the upper body on the downswing and not uh, the lower body. And so I said to him, I said, you know, we can fix the issue with the driver and, and, and so forth, but I said, if, if you're not fixing the errors or the, making the corrections in your swing um, to, to get you in that proper sequence, we can sit here for the next two months and hit ball after ball after ball, but it's not going to change what ultimately is going to happen with your driver if you don't fix what's wrong with the swing right now. And you know, once he kind of let that sink in, he realized that it's really not the driver that he wants to work on. He just wants to be able to hit shots better overall. So we're working on that over the next little while, but – you know, Again, people have to understand what it is that they're doing and, and why they're – it goes back to what you always say, Cindy, is why you're there, why you're there in the first place. Um, the other thing that we want to talk about, on, uh, number four, is core strategy, and uh, it, it's worth spending time about this. Obviously, we want to focus on the shot at hand, as we said earlier, uh, but you do have to have a core strategy, and I want to just read you a quote that uh, just kind of goes with what we were talking about a few minutes ago from Ben Hogan and he said that he who misses best wins. Um, What a great statement. Um, How important is course strategy, Cindy, and how important was it to you when you were out on tour?
0: Well, really important because they don't hit the ball that far. And, you know, if you do it, it doesn't matter what type of player you are, you have to have a course strategy. I didn't know that um, Ben Hogan was the one who said that, because I use that all the time. He or Mm -hmm. she who misses the best without getting ticked wins as i added to it (laughs) but um i have played golf and this is going to sound bad and i don't mean it to sound bad but i have played golf with people who don't hit the ball as clean as i do who beat me yep and that bugs me but see they know what their strengths and their weaknesses are and -hmm. they don't care how pretty it is they skink it up there and they score Or they miss the green, they get it up and down, and they score. So that, again, is another lesson for Cindy, which I'm sure most of our listeners have learned that lesson as well, is that it doesn't matter how pretty the shot is. You can hit 15 greens and shoot 75. And you can hit eight greens and shoot 68. You know, Tiger didn't hit that many greens the other day when he shot that score. And, again, it's all about getting the ball in the hole. Right. I, well, yeah, you definitely it, have to have course management skills and have a plan for how you're going to play the course.
1: Right, and and you have to be willing to stick and be committed to that plan. Once you've decided, and that's why it's good, especially for you club members out there that play, uh, you know, your course regularly, so you're familiar with the holes. You know, before you get out there on your weekend rounds. You know, think about how you want to play each hole and and how you want to sort of strategize your your round. And think about it before you get out. Don't do it mid round and think, okay, well, gosh, and now I'm scrambling to to try and make par here because I've just shot three bogeys in a row, uh, or I've got to make a birdie on the next two holes to get back into contention in my club championship. Um, you know, you you can't be thinking like that sort of midstream because what you're going to end up doing is you're not going to you're not going to play. Um, you know smart golf you're going to play reactive golf and when you react to, to uh, negative situations like that usually you have a negative outcome uh in most cases and what what just to your point about tiger cindy what makes it very unique about his game is tiger was never you know it, what i would say in the top echelon of uh most fairways hit um you know he was always sometimes a little leaky with his driver but what made him such a, a strong player was he knew how to and i I use this term uh, loosely, but scramble. He knew how to, to get back into play. So if he, you know, shot into the right rough, he knew how to get it back up on the green uh, with his next shot. He knew what he needed to do, what shots he needed to execute that. So he was able to recover um, in, in a good way. So strategy, as you said, Cindy, is extremely important. And yes, Ben Hogan was the one that did say that. I uh, uh, just double confirmed that just to make sure I, I wrote the note round uh, down incorrectly. But you, you've often heard this, Cindy, uh, it's, it's not about uh, – it's about the, 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 the best misses uh, in golf, and that's a true statement uh, that really wins. Um, and the last thing we're going to talk about before we bring out our guests uh, is – and you've talked about this many times, Cindy – is controlling your reactions and learning to switch off, relax, and enjoy uh, your round. It, it, after all, it is just a game. Talk a little bit about that because I know you've said over the past that you've struggled a little bit sometimes with sort of turning that switch off and, and just getting out there and enjoying the moment talk a little bit about that.
0: <laughs> You're putting me on the hook here. <laughs> well, you got to you've got to be realistic and I think that's that's number 1 is why are you here and what are you looking for? So again, you have to have realistic expectations. It's funny cuz I'm starting the own your game series again for all of our students up here, which we should do again on the on yep. the radio in January. But yep. I said, you know, we need to have a goal-setting session. Why are you here? What do you want? What are your expectations? What do you want to get out of this? You're spending a lot of time, investing a lot, um, and I need to know what you expect. And it may not be possible. So if you have realistic expectations, it's much easier to put your mind in a a thought process of, okay, I just need to skink it good. I want to learn how to score better. You know, I've got somebody who just sent me in their goal sheet yesterday. I want to get it down to a 10 handicap, and he's a 22. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, because we can't hit the ball right. straight. You know, so it's like, okay, there, now there's going to be a process. But I think it's good if you do that because now you you can chunk up your little tiny goals into a big goal. And right. then it helps you create a plan to get what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And and you're right. I think obviously in this individual you're referring to, I mean his big goal is to, to reduce his handicap from a twenty two down to a ten, and that's a great goal to have, but you have to have little goals uh along the way as you make your way to that big goal. And I think a lot of people are, are very unrealistic uh in their expectations. Uh and I think that sometimes adds to the frustration when they when they come see us and say, Okay, you know, can you help me with the game? They they expect some you know magical elixir to to be whipped up and and frothed up, and that they can just sort of you know drink the Kool Aid and, and and I hate to use that analogy but it's true. And then miraculously they're going to go out there and compete on the PG or l p j tour. Uh, it's not going to happen. It takes a lot of hard work, um, and you know not everybody's designed to to play that uh, maybe at that competitive level. So you have to decide as you've said many many times. And I, and I agree, Cindy. I think we need to have that. Uh, you know, series uh, back again next year on your game. I think it was a great series. And uh, I think what we're going to do, will add a little bit of a twist to it. And you and I'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, I, I think that people have to understand um, to, to relax and just sort of enjoy the game, get out there and have some fun. It's not all about shooting the, the, the lowest score. I mean, ultimately that's a goal that you want to uh, achieve. Um, but Cindy, we want the folks to get out there and have fun and enjoy the game because that's what's going to bring them back. If they're not enjoying it, they're going to quit and give up, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And,
1: and, and we often hear stories like that where people say, well, you know, you'll, you'll talk to them and say, well, I used to play golf, but I, I just could never seem to break, uh, you know, I could never break uh, 90 or, or, or even 100 in some cases. Uh, or, you know, the best I could ever get to was an 85, and I just could never get any lower than that, and I just sort of gave up. And, and I don't know too many people that hit an 85 that give up, but, you know, just to prove a point – that's the kind of feedback that you get sometimes, and, and when you get into it a little bit further, you know, you start to un, un, uncover the reasons that they were there are not what they originally were before, and and somewhere along the lines, their their purpose has changed or their their realistic goal uh, setting has changed, and they just sort of get caught up in the moment, and the next thing you know, they're just not uh, they're not enjoying and having fun. Um, they, they get too well, competitive, or they get think... you know
0: they may not be willing to look in the mirror and understand that they are the reason the ball's going where it's going. You know, there's the only thing that touches the ball is the club face. The only thing that touches the club is you. So God, you know, the ball doesn't move without you doing something with it. So it's personal accountability and responsibility. And now if you're willing to do that, yes, we can improve how much, right? Well, let's see.
1: Right. Well, so we're, we're going to put the test to, to the folks listening out to the show there. We want you to reach out to us and talk about some of the things as we get ready to prepare for the 2017 season. As I said, uh, next week is going to be our last show for this year. Um, but we want to hear from you in the off season, if you will. And let us know. Reach out to Cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And for me, ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And reach out to us over the next uh, few weeks through the holidays when you've got, uh, you know, spending some time with family and you've got a few moments. You're on, you're on the, the computer anyways, I'm sure, some of you. So send us an email and let us know uh, some of your thoughts and maybe some areas that you're having difficulties with. Um, maybe you've, you've kind of lost your oomph and, and just don't have the same joy or, or enjoyment out there in the golf course. Maybe we can help turn that around for you. So please reach out to us uh, here at the Women of Golf Show. Uh, we'd love to help you. And, uh, and see if we can uh, put some shows together that will be more directed uh, to, to helping you uh, get back and have some enjoyment of the game. Um, Cindy, we've got to move on, and, and I see our guests are ready. Uh, I, I believe both of them are going to be here with us. Uh, Michael Napoleon, he's the president and co-founder, and uh, Kyle Shea, the CEO and founder of Superspeed Golf. Let me just tell you a little bit about uh, both of them. Uh, Michael, of course, is a PGA-certified professional in teaching and coaching, as well as TPI-certified golf professional Level 3. Uh, junior coach level three and, and golf biomechanics too and golf uh, mechanics too as well. Uh, he believes strongly that uh, innovation, creativity and proper use of technology are the keys to helping all golfers achieve their goals and increase uh, their enjoyment with some of the game uh, with the game of golf. And uh, as founder of the Chicago based coaching performance company Catalyst Golf, uh, Michael has put these principles in direct practice uh, coaching amateurs and professionals uh, to all kinds of great heights of success uh, out on the golf course. And, of course, his partner, uh, Kyle, uh, he's Czech uh, 4 certified as well as TPI certified. And Kyle Shea, of course, uh, is the CEO of Super Speed Golf, and he grew up playing golf uh, since a very early age, like many of us out there, and inspired by his father's passion for the game, uh, he tag along and, uh, and shag the range, which I've done with my father over the years, uh, while he hit some balls. Uh, this passion developed into playing competitive golf through college and then into a career of fitness and rehab coaching, uh, with an emphasis on golf specific conditioning. And Kyle currently runs the catalyst golf performance, health and fitness, uh, division along with running his own, uh, health coaching business. So, uh, without further ado, Cindy, let's, uh, let's welcome them onto the show. Uh, Michael and Shay.
2: Welcome guys. Hey, Cindy, Ted, thank you for having us.
1: Hey Cindy. All right. Hey, great. Uh, thank you for, for coming on the show and we appreciate, uh, you joining us. Um, let's talk, uh, I think the obvious thing let's talk about, uh, obviously you, you've got a great, uh, uh, a great business, super speed golf. What is, I want to ask you, what is overspeed training? Uh, for those of you that have no idea what that's about, what does it mean and what's involved in that?
2: Yeah. Um, overspeed training in general is all about helping the body move more efficiently and therefore creating more club ed speed. Um, You know, I know a lot of our clients are players. It seems like a really common thing that just about everybody out there is interested in is, you know, hitting the ball further and and getting more swing speed. Um, Overspeed training works in a very cool way to help players with that. And it's also something that helps quickly and permanently. Um, Essentially we use some lightweight clubs to get the body moving faster during the motion of the golf swing um, without hitting a golf ball. And we, through a couple different training protocols that we, we've built, uh, help those players uh, kind of assimilate that faster speed back into their golf swing. Um, and we see about a five and a half percent increase in club speed over the first four to six weeks of training with the system.
1: Now, let me ask you guys this, just in in relationship. So people understand, because I I don't want them to misunderstand and think, well, it's just about, uh, obviously, we want to generate more clubhead speed, um, and and I want you to explain why that's important. Why is generating more clubhead speed, uh, why is that important, how is that going to help uh, some of the average golfers out there that maybe need a little extra speed? Um, Explain the differences, because a lot of people just think, well, I'm just going to whip that club around, but it's not the case. It has to be done properly. Explain to them the differences and, and why it's important, Uh, to be able to generate more clubhead speed?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would say that clubhead speed is one of the most – the most important factor in, I would say, the modern-day golf game. Um, You know, whether it's somebody that's really slow and is having trouble getting the ball up in the air, or it's somebody in the mid-range that's having trouble stopping it on the greens, or it's a professional player that – you know, another 10 or 15 yards puts another, you know, one less club in their hand, which gets them an average of, you know, four feet closer to the pin in proximity. Um, It really is one of those things that's going to help everybody's game. You know, moving the ball faster, getting the ball a little further down there is something that truly does lower, lower player scores. And I think, you know, to kind of talk about a little bit of your segment before, helps them have more fun with the game of golf. I mean, everybody likes hitting it out there past their playing competitors. Um, in in their weekend fourth. Now, I mean, obviously, I'm a swing coach. Kyle does a lot of our fitness training and and rehab work. You know, as a swing coach, I think the most common errors that that we see uh, mechanically in players' swings is that, you know, they're they're playing too carefully. They're not letting themselves be athletic. They're not creating efficient sequencing in their golf swing. Um, Right. I think those are tied hand in hand. You know, most of the time... I would say almost 100% of the time when we see a player start to develop more speed with the super speed golf system, um, become more efficient, they also at the same time tend to become a lot more consistent because they start to learn how to use their entire body to create speed and power, which is the same thing that you're seeing with professional players around the world.
1: Right. Um, let me ask you this, that the, the – the, the product that you, you have, and I've, I've seen it, uh, and it's actually on display here for those that are tuning into the show, uh, you'll see it going across the screen. Um, this is not per se a, a, your traditional a weighted club like often we see out there for, for working on the swing. You'll see weighted club, whether it be an actual f- a five iron or something that effect, or it has a, a weighted uh, a ball or something on the end. Explain what the product is that you're using and how it actually works, what it does specifically Uh, that helps to increase uh, your your club head speed? So, Go ahead,
3: Kyle. I'll get it, yeah. So it's a three-club-specifically weighted system. So essentially it looks like a golf club. It's got the same grip and same type of shaft, but then you have three different weights going from light to heavy on the end. So it goes from what you would have on your average driver, if it's a men's driver, uh, 20% light, is our lightest club, and then 10% lighter, and then 5% heavy. So we base that all off of a driver weight. So if it's a a regular men's driver, junior driver, ladies driver, whatever it may be, we're basing it off that ratio. And what you're doing with the system essentially is swinging them as fast as you possibly can in different sequences. So how it's working based on that concept of overspeed training that Mike was speaking of is it's trying to train the body to essentially move faster now in that same motor pattern of the golf swing. And then when you get back to your actual golf swing that you're doing and hitting a ball, you'll have that new speed starting to integrate into your, what we call neuromuscular system where your brain is telling your body, it can now move faster.
1: Okay. Um, how does it help? Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you need to, to make sure you're you're doing it in the proper sequence. And, and what I mean by that is, as you just pointed out earlier, we talked about I uh, in our previous discussions, um, and, and I made an example of a gentleman that I was working with this past weekend who his golf swing is, is out of sequence. Will this help? Um, it's certainly not going to cure everything, but will it help using your product uh, to be able to feel that sort of proper uh, swing sequence? Will it help to initiate that? Or if you're... Uh, or or how does it work in that respect?
3: Yeah, definitely will, and that was a big goal of ours when we were doing our our research and testing to develop the system is to make sure that the sequence was getting better as they were increasing their speeds. And so what we would find is if you get too light with a club, say you just swing a shaft, which you'll see a lot of people swing to try to get more speed in their swing you'll see the sequence become off much more upper body dominant or arm and hand speed dominant because there's not enough on the end as a weight to actually feel that same pattern as a golf swing and if it gets too heavy you just physically are actually swinging it slower than what you'd want in this type of speed training and if you do that too many times you'll slow down so that big goal of ours was trying to find the right rate, weight ratio to be able to increase their swing efficiency and sequencing, therefore hitting it straighter after they're increasing their speed.
1: And, Cindy, I'm... I'm, I'm jump in there. Go ahead. Sure, go ahead. One thing I Yeah, no, go ahead, to Mike. Add, add to
2: what, uh, yeah, well, one thing I wanted to add to what Kyle was saying there, too, is that, you know, from a swing mechanic standpoint, there's all kinds of different things that might be going on in that player's swing. They might not use the ground well. They might not create good separation. They might not create good lag generation in their wrists and arms all of those different concepts without really ever having to talk about them specifically uh, are worked on indirectly throughout our training protocols with super speed golf. Cause we, we have a very simple goal of, we want you to try to make that club move as fast as you can down through the hitting area. And in order to do that, that player starts to actually discover and figure out how to use the ground better and how to get their lower body to lead and how to make sure that, as their body's leading that they're letting the club lag behind them a little bit. And all of that's done without any, you know, really direct mechanical coaching uh, as we're going through the training.
1: Right. Um, Cindy, I, I know you've got some questions.
0: Well, I think it's cool because what you're saying is I'm learning something without having to think about it. Because all I'm trying to do is make it go faster. And I believe that people are not aware that, uh, what do I want to say? I believe that you have to use your wrists, and the club head needs to swing bigger than the hands to make the speed be generated. And if they are all together like a robot or somebody trying to move a refrigerator out of a kitchen, they're not going to have as much speed. So all the concepts that I believe in swinging a golf club are all summed up with, hey, make this go fast. And that's the beautiful thing about super speed golf, in my opinion.
2: Right. And one of the things that we've really tried to do with it, there's been a lot of research done recently about, you know, training outside of the direct skill element of a sport. So in golf, that means doing training that's going to, transfer into the the golf swing without necessarily just hitting golf balls directly on the driving range. And we've found a lot of good success with that type of a a training system with SuperSpeed because it lets people kind of get out of their own way a little bit. They don't have such a difficult goal of, you know, that perfect ball strike going on while they're going through this training. They can really let themselves outside of the box a little and start to move the body a little bit differently. We see a lot of development of better athletic sequencing and really all those things start to come together, uh, with, again, without having to be so detailed and technical with, it, with that player. Uh, as a swing coach, I, I'm always trying to find those ways, you know, whether it's dealing with an amateur player or one of our tour players, you know, to get my point across to that player and get the result that I want without really having to talk very much, without having to say a lot, you know, to be as simple as possible to get those results. And that, that's one of the things that we've really tried to push forward with the super speed systems.
0: And you've done a great job. So tell me about the dominant and non-dominant swings and why do you want us to do it with our non-dominant swings? So if I'm right-handed, I'm going to do the sequencing and the training right-handed, and then I'm going to switch over and do it left-handed. Tell us why we're doing that. Go for it, Kyle.
3: Well, Cindy, I had you even doing this on the range down in Naples a couple of weeks ago. And <laughs> can I wanted show I'm that off fast. to me we have, we have two things. Um, one of them kind of the obvious thing is that when we're seeing a player, we often see them become very dominant on one side physically. So in, in my profession, you see a lot of injuries or pain type of syndromes. And we found just because of all that one-sided especially acceleration on the downswing, it creates a lot of torque in the body and a lot of one side a kind of dominant muscular activation, and the other side seems to very much lag behind. So I see a lot of type of balancing happening in the body after they work through those non-dominant swings. So that's one of the biggest things that helps people not essentially get injured while they're doing this type of training because it's it's strenuous. You're really, really going hard at creating this new type of speed. And when you were with me, you can tell you get out of breath and you're working hard. It's like an all-out sprint and then you're done. And then the second reason, which is a little more technical, and now Mike can add to this as well, is that we're working also on creating some muscle activation to be able to stabilize this new speed. We say a few different terms. It could be uh, decelerate this new speed or also post into that lead side, as a, a swing instructor might say. All these new muscles need to be activated to now stop this speed at some point during that downswing into the finish. Otherwise, we also hurt ourselves. So there's a, there's a saying out there that essentially you can only accelerate as fast as you can decelerate. And if you can't decelerate, your body will almost keep the brake mechanism on that says, I'm not going to let you go any faster in your new golf swing that we're trying to create.
2: So, yeah, and that's a very big thing as part of the training. Uh, you know, non-dominant training whether it's with the super speed system or with clubs by itself, there's a lot of incredibly important things that go on there in the body. And and the biggest one from a speed and power standpoint is what Kyle, what Kyle's talking about there biomechanically with segmental energy transfer. So, you know, essentially when you make a golf swing, your lower body posts or stabilizes on the lead side at some point before you hit the ball. And that transfers energy up the chain to the torso, which then, transfers energy to the arms and the wrists and the eventually the club head which is what gives us that explosive power that we see with a lot of tour players even though they don't look like they're swinging that hard so when you swing on the opposite direction when you swing in the opposite direction you're now actually loading the swing into what's going to become your lead side of your golf swing so you're activating a lot of the musculature around that around those joint segments you're basically getting things ready to go that they're going to be able to stabilize more aggressively in your golf swing and therefore transfer more energy throughout the body and result in more club speed
0: so let me ask you a question the kinematic sequence of really good tour players they basically stop and that's what you're talking about their lower body stops. yes um yeah okay go ahead. So again, I'm TPI certified, but I've only I'm level I'm fitness and junior level 1. So the kinematic sequence um and I'm old, so we never did any of this when I was little and I didn't play a lot of sports, so I'm like old and I don't hit it far. So I'm your perfect <laughs> guinea pig. Cuz I'm I'm going to play in the US Women's Senior Open the first one ever at Chicago Golf Club in July of 2018. So if I gain 15 yards, I am thrilled, right? So I need to practice the do- non-dominant way to train my muscles to say, oh, wow, you want me to do what? And part of the reason I'm doing it in the non-dominant way is so that I can train my body to stop so the head catches up. Am I understanding this
2: right? Kind of. It's, it's a little more complicated than that. So, and we see this a ton. This is actually one of the biggest things that we see with a lot of our LPGA tour players that, that we work with. Um, So from a kinematic sequence standpoint, just your basic definition there, this is how energy is going to transfer throughout the body, basically from the lower body to the torso to the arms to the club, okay? And the way we measure that is we measure that in how fast those different segments rotate in the golf swing, how fast they accelerate, and then also how fast they slow down. So what happens, and what we see very commonly with a lot of our LPGA Tour players, is they're usually pretty good at accelerating their body. They're not very good at transferring energy up to the upper body segment. So what we'll see in the kinematic sequence is we'll see the, like, let's take the pelvis, for example, let's call that the lower body. We'll see the pelvis accelerate, but then we'll kind of just see it kind of keep going or very slowly decelerate and energy transfer to the next chains up. What we want to see and what we would, what we would compare that to, like, some of the, the most powerful swings in the world is you're going to see the pelvis accelerate, and then you're going to actually see it peak or then start to decelerate very suddenly, and very quickly, and all of this happens within a couple milliseconds before the swing. So it's nothing you're ever thinking about doing. It's like a fingerprint of efficiency. But when that pelvis accelerates and then decelerates really quickly, what you'll see is you'll see this huge exponential jump in rotational velocity going to the next segment up, which in this case would be the torso. And then that happens again very soon after that going to the arms and the club. Again, nothing we would ever try to directly coach with a player. It's, it's all indirect drills that are going to hopefully increase that efficiency fingerprint in their swing.
0: So, look. I, we can, let me just say one more thing. Basically what you're saying is if you do the overspeed training with super-speed golf, you're going to improve, improve all of the above even if you don't understand it and you don't have to think about it, and you're going to hit it further. Is that true? True, and we tell most of our players to
2: never even think about or try to understand any of that. We just measure it and kind of keep track of how they're doing and if they're getting better or not. Good, I love hmm.
0: being brain dead
1: very good yeah.
0: <laughs> well i got i got i have two uh
1: two questions uh guys um, Number one, did you get on video uh your your session with Cindy a couple of weeks ago in Naples <laughs> uh, and if so, I'll give you my email address. I'd, I'd love to get that uh, all kidding aside. Let, let me ask you, um, you know, I'm just kidding, Cindy. Um, let me ask you guys this, this question. though. No, again, the differences between men and women. Um, with your product, is it an adjustable product that, uh, because obviously there are physical differences between men and women. Uh, men tend to be, um, not in every case, but tend to be a little physically stronger. Uh, is there, how do you decide, okay, if this particular uh, product here, is going to be for this person. I'm six foot four, as an example, and uh, about 200 pounds, fairly lean. Uh, Cindy, you know, is you know, I don't know your height, but a little bit shorter, Five and six. maybe not quite okay. So maybe not quite as strong as me. Um, is this a product that you can can be adjusted for the differences between her and I? Let's say as an example, and what needs to be done?
3: Yeah, we uh, we have multiple systems, and we base it actually more on your own current driver. So that's more of what we're looking at instead of actually the person as much. Uh, so okay. with the, the men that we base it on just a, a standard men's driver. So generally most men out there are playing a 60 to 65 gram shaft and then just a standard head and, and grip, uh, Tour players may be a little different, long drivers, that type of thing. So we just based our based our weighting structure for the men's set off of that. So for you Ted, you would use our men's set no matter if you're five foot six or six foot five. It's whatever okay. kind of driver you're going to be in, which would be generally like a 44 to 45 inch driver. And then right. for Cindy, for other other women, a lot of times they had a lighter shaft. Not all women, maybe collegiate women might play a men's driver with a men's shaft, but For Cindy, she may play a 50-gram shaft or 55-gram shaft in a lighter head, maybe a thinner grip. And so what we do there is we based our women's set off of kind of more of a standard women's driver. So it will be a little bit lighter through the lightest club, but our two clubs in that system that will be her heavier clubs will also be the same in your set. So we didn't try to make it too complicated by differing the sets, but we wanted to make sure to keep that weighting structure I spoke of in the beginning, where it goes from a 20% lighter club, 10% lighter club, and 5% heavy, at least fairly accurately around there. And then our junior sets, we have scale within that as well. So we're just launching two new junior sets for ages 5 to 7 and 8 to 10-year-olds next week, actually. Um, But, yeah, we tried to cover all the kind of the bases there and make that weighting structure accurate within their own driver.
1: Now you you indicate that, um, and thank you for for answering that. You, you indicate in in uh, your uh, promotions and that that you obviously working with a, a number of touring professionals. And that what's been some of the feedback that you guys have gotten from the tour players um, with respect to the uh, the super speed golf products and that what what's been some of the, the feedback so far from tour.
3: Yeah, Mike Mike and I have been out on on multiple uh, tours over this past year and a half. Definitely, if it's uh, Symmetra Tour, Web.com, PGA Tour, and LPGA, uh, we've we've been interacting with so many players with this, and we get uh, multiple calls or emails each week just kind of inquiring about it and how they can they can access our uh, our training with it. And we've seen great success across the board throughout all tours, men and women. Um, it's actually seems to be about the same with amateurs. So I get that question: Are pros getting different results than amateurs? And Uh, We really don't see that. We see all across the board really big increases in clubhead speed, no matter kind of the level or or playing ability that you're working with. But we've had some really good success stories after about a year, a year and a half now of getting to see some of these players over a long-term period. And we've had jumps now from uh, women and men from 10 to 15 miles an hour in clubhead speed since starting that um, without – messing up mechanics and essentially their whole game still where they want it, not hitting it more crowded with this new speed.
2: My now who, who forgot from our tour players? Um, just to and my favorite reaction from our tour players is actually after they start going through the system and most of them have some type of launch monitor sitting there and go back and measure their driver's speed. And it you know jumps <laughs> up six or seven miles an hour right off the bat and, they just kind of look down and they're like, did you change something? Like, did you change a setting? Like, (laughs) no, it it, it really does feel pretty much the same as the swings they were making right before that, you know, that were significantly slower. What's
1: the, what's the protocol as far as um, using the product? Is this something, you know, that you would use uh, more predominantly in a, in a practice session or is this something that you can use, you know, maybe prior to, you know, out in the range prior to playing around just to, to kind of get yourself in, in, in the sink of things. Where do you see this uh, in its biggest applications? Or is it a combination of both?
2: Yeah, we, we periodize this into our players' programs generally on, a, at, on practice days. Um, okay. You know, at least my belief for you know, warming up before a round, especially a tour player in a tournament round, is you want to change as little as possible right then. Just basically right. getting the body okay. ready to go and, and finding out what you've got for that day you know, this is something that will create changes in club speed. So we wouldn't want to do that right before a round. Um, We tend to uh, put this into programs either kind of toward the front of a gym workout program or at the early part of a golf practice session. You know, I might have my player on the range, you know, go through just their warm-up program, then go through their super speed set, then maybe go do their – short game segment and then come back and do some full swing mechanics work then be on the golf course or whatever it might be for that player. But generally toward the front of programs when the player's more, like, neurologically fresh uh, is the best time we find to do it. Um, And then, again, very minimally before a round is a warm-up.
1: Sure. Okay. And what about, uh, you know, as far as your market and that, is this predominantly something that you're looking to – uh, get out to the consumers, or is this something also that you're wanting, uh, you know, the teaching pros like Cindy and I, or, or coaches out there, uh, to sort of add into their repertoire uh, with their teaching uh, uh, programs and things like that? Is this something that you're looking for for teachers to sort of grab onto as well, and and have it on hand as a as a, a product to uh, to use in their teaching practices?
2: Well, for sure. I mean, I think the the answer to that is this is something that can really help everybody. Um, It's a new segment of training that that golfers really haven't done before. So, I mean, we've got coaches all over the world using this with their players. We have players who might not have access to a great swing coach, buying it themselves and, and using it through our our online video instruction programs we have on our website. So we've tried to make it as easily accessible for, for everybody as we possibly can. And, you know, we're obviously always trying to improve that and make it even easier for help to for people to get involved with the training.
1: All right. Um, and, and I guess lastly, the important question is, for those tuning into the program, uh, where can they go to learn more information and uh, maybe get their hands on, on the product? Yeah, you can uh,
3: check out our brand-new website. We just launched it here uh, two weeks ago, superspeedgolf.com. And you'll see a lot of uh, the training protocols up there, so you can log in and just see actually how it works uh, before you even buy it. But uh, everything's up there uh, that you can check out, lots of news articles, podcasts we've done before like this if you want to learn more about it, and and checking out a lot of the testimonials we've had from the success over the past two years of of this product and and what we've got to do with it.
1: Fantastic. Awesome. Well. Well, guys, thank you very much for, for joining us this morning. We appreciate uh, both Michael and Kyle uh, from Super Speed Golf for joining us this morning. It sounds like you guys have got a great product. Uh, obviously, you've, you've uh, networked very well out on the tours and, and getting many of the pros using it. And obviously, uh, as you indicated, have had some great feedback so far, and I know it's just con- uh, going to continue to grow. And, and uh, we wish you all the best, and we appreciate you coming on the show this morning and sharing that with our audience.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. Now, we're always uh always interested and have a great time talking about this product and you know hope to help more people uh generate some more club speed.
1: Well, it, Super. it sounds Thanks, like you guys. Yeah, we appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks guys. Have a great day and and uh we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Okay? All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guests, uh, Michael Napoleon and Kyle Shea from super speed golf. Uh, very interesting product, uh, Cindy. And I know you've obviously had a chance to, uh, you know, to check it out yourself. And I'm not sure I, I meant to ask them if they were going to be down at the the PGA show in January. And I imagine they will be. Oh, they will
0: be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to go down there and, and, uh, and, and check it out myself. But, um, uh, but in the meantime, Cindy, we've got to wrap up. We're at the end of our show. It, it, it's amazing how fast these hours go by, but we want to thank all of the listeners out there for faithfully tuning in each and every week, and we want to continue to grow this program. So as I said earlier, and, and as Cindy and I have both discussed many times, we want to hear from you, the audience. That's what's important to us. Uh, we want to hear some, some great ideas, some great feedback and thoughts about the program. So reach out to either one of us. Uh, uh, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com and uh, you can reach me as well at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com so please reach out let us know what you think about the program maybe some future topics maybe future guests that we haven't had on here or maybe a guest that we've had on here and you'd love to have uh, come back and and have some further discussion so let us know let us know how we can help your game and also uh, if you're interested in Cindy's learn to hit it kit uh, you can get more information uh, on her website at cindymillergolf.com so make sure you do that makes a great Christmas gift And on behalf of Cindy Miller and myself, I'm Ted Oderico. And again, thank you for joining us on the Women of Golf show this morning. God bless everybody and have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy.
0: Welcome. Bye-bye.